there's an obvious and natural trend that is coming, which is the green economy. And, you know, this is going to be the huge growth area over the next 20, 30 years. You are listening to Bricks and Bytes podcast, where we take you on a journey in construction, technology and business. All right, let's get this episode started. Well, your background and how did you end up uh, doing what you're doing now? So I started my working life in the property industry and spent the first 10 years working and running kind of property maintenance and refurbishment businesses. So I was looking after business units. I used to proudly say I was responsible for the maintenance of 18,000 toilets. Nice. It was lots of guys going out there fixing things really it was very high like systems process orientated and it was a lot of domestic homes so we used to do a lot of decent homes work a lot of social housing work and government building work so these were people's homes not necessarily the most efficient or the most well built and uh, so that gave me a bit of background in in the property industry then during that time I worked with sort of during that 10 years I took a bit of a step out of that larger industry to work in a retail maintenance company with a couple of brothers-in-law and joined them to help them grow that business and got a taste for kind of entrepreneurship and really yeah help them drive that forward and as part of that process they got someone involved an external sort of coach consultant and I thought wow this is the most interesting work I've ever done doing all the kind of strategy work and really thinking about that and I thought a lot of what he was bringing I felt like I'd sort of been bringing into the business, bringing my experience from another larger organization in, into this one. So it, it gave me a taste for that. So you decided to over, you decided to overturn it, him or <laughs> Well, I decided, um, so that was a little while before I then set out on my own. But about three, four, five years later, I was back in a bigger business and I decided I was going to, I actually had, um, we had twins, my wife and I, and I was working all hours. I was out the house about 14 hours a day. I remember sitting on a motorway, kind of driving between different cities in the UK every day because we had head office in Bristol and the you know call centre up in Birmingham and I was looking after business units in High Wycombe and Bedford. And I just decided, spending my life sitting in a car on the motorway and I had two young kids and wife was finding things fairly, fairly difficult at home and I'm going to pursue that, that strategy thing. So I uh, launched into that, I trained and started coaching businesses. I've, I've now got a business partner and we've grown our strategy consultancy over the last number of years. We now deliver a number of programs for the government and it's been great. I've got to work with some amazing business owners. During that time, you know, you, you observe trends and my kids have grown up. There's an obvious and natural trend that is coming, which is the green economy. And you know, this is going to be the huge growth area over the next 20, 30 years. And plus, you know, I'm very personally motivated to have some impact in that area because I've got young kids and conscious of what are we passing on to them and what's the world going to be like for them as they grow up. So this was kind of playing on my mind. And, and during the pandemic, a family connection, I was chatting to about it and he introduced me to someone. He said, oh, you must meet Maro. Maro is in... The, the, the co-founder? Company, yeah, he's the co-founder of Suzy. And he said, I'll introduce you. And Will, the family member's the other co-founder. 
And so we, we just got chatting and he had this initial sort of idea around. So he built a couple of property tech businesses in Brazil. And he had this original idea around, you know, monitoring the potential solar radiation output of people's homes using geolocation data and the angle of their roof and the space square meterage of their roof and all of that. And we sort of started chatting around that and, and we started to develop that idea. And that has gradually developed into what is now the Susie House concept. And we're now at a stage where we've got our demo version of the app. We've just successfully secured some funding to build out the MVP. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to really getting rolling with it. Yeah, sounds interesting. So you said uh, Mara, he's not based in the UK, is he? He is. Yes, he's UK based. Oh, he's based in the UK. Because oh, I know I remember from discussion before you said that your team is Brazilian. So I wondered how the overlap between Brazil and the UK came into Susie House. Uh, well, it comes through Mara. So he is UK based. He moved to the UK about three years ago, but he has built a number of companies in Brazil. And so he has people who he's worked with for years who are based over there and they are still our development team. Nice. All right. So Susie got house. So for the uh, simple person, how would you describe Susie house? Susie house is, well, I'll tell you what, it's got a triple objective. So it is designed to enable people to reduce the carbon output of their homes, save money in terms of reducing their energy bills and actually generating some income through upgrades that they make to their homes and then ultimately also increasing the value of those homes. I heard a statistic the other day that said actually now there's looking at homes that achieve sort of EPC ratings of C below C actually potentially have a 10% value reduction on them. Mm -hmm. So CZ House in a nutshell, that's the objective and it does it through an app that people can download that they have to fill in a little bit of information and then also an, connecting into either your smart meter or an IoT device that we send you that then monitors the energy consumption of your home and it allows people to identify projects that could be done within their home based on the specifics that we know about their location and their home, we will give accurate estimates as to what improvements will make what impact on their monthly bills and what they might generate them in terms of revenue as well. How do you know uh, what people have in their homes already in terms of sustainable technologies? Uh, well, they tell us. So we start from a perspective of a quick survey. So you essentially say, tell us about your, your home in terms of what year is it, which we can make some assumptions immediately on that basis. Mm -hmm. And we say, do you have cavity wall insulation? Have you got single, double, triple glazed windows? Have you got a flat roof or a pitch roof? Have you got insulation in the loft? We ask some basic questions to get us going. And then we ask for kind of the square meterage. We ask about how many people live in the home. From all of that, we can create a benchmark. And the idea is that this is your benchmark, kind of the average home of your size within the UK generates X amount of CO2. And then we, what Susie does, it gives, has a scoring mechanism because we want to, have you ever used Strava? Yes. Not very often. <laughs> <laughs> Not as often as I should have, should I say. 
Well, the beauty of Strava is that it's got this, you know, we're, we're quite motivated as human beings by scores, by time, uh, in the instance of Strava. So it's got this kind of universal metric, which is time, which everyone measures themselves against. And the idea with Susie is that you've got a similar universal metric, but it's a kind of green score, it's a carbon-related score. And the benchmark, essentially, if you want to have a good score, you've got to improve your home against what is the standard benchmark. And the more you improve it, the better your score gets. But also, the more you improve your score, the lower your energy bills will be, the higher the value of your home will be, and the less your CO2 output will be. So you're trying to create like a game out of a competition between say neighbors or, or geographical location so we part of it is being able to invite other people into the community we really our objective is that the app will spread on the basis that people will share it with each other because it's a useful tool and people will invite others into their community and almost challenge them and say you know i'm doing this for the environment what are you doing and, and i appreciate that a lot of people might say well a lot of these things are really expensive how do we get them done and that's really a key part of what we're trying to do. So one of the things that the app will do is connect people to installers to get blind quotes. But the beauty of the blind quote is that we're not sharing people's contact details. We will have partners who have the opportunity to give a quote on the basis of the data that we can provide them. And we'll know some quite accurate data about that home. But we won't share the contact details. And then they can choose... The individuals say, actually, yes, I would like that contractor A, D and E to contact me, please, and come over and give me a real accurate quote at that point. The other element to it is that we want to also demonstrate to people how they can afford it. So there are various, and the problem with this, like if people are motivated generally to do things to help with the environment, but when it becomes too hard or too expensive or too complicated... It's like, as with anything, you get to inertia and they can't be able to solve the problem. They're out. Yeah. So our whole thing is about removing the friction. So that ease of blind quote, but not feeling like you're suddenly going to get bombarded by people. It's only the ones that you select. And then they'll get in contact with you. But all you have to do is kind of select them. Because there's all these schemes out there, aren't there? So sometimes there's local schemes in terms of where the funding comes from. And you might have one council who's offering grants for getting insulation Mm -hmm. another one that's offering grants for getting pv and then the central government might you know we had the green homes grant a while ago that's now being scrapped but there might be other schemes and so we want to enable people to say did you know you can also get a subsidy for this in your area so -hmm. this will cost you this much and this therefore is likely to be your return on investment the other thing that we are really super keen and working hard on at the moment is getting qualification for carbon credits mm, so ets yeah well, can I mean, you just explain very... explain exactly what that is so a carbon credit is essentially generated when either a ton of carbon is taken out of the atmosphere or a ton of carbon that would have been created is prevented from being created so we're obviously going mm-hmm. at it from that angle mm-hmm. the current sort of ets scheme exists for large industry and every year what they do is the government targets for instance the aviation industry or heavy manufacturing industry people use a lot of energy targets them with reducing their carbon output that's a benchmark that they have to hit if they exceed it they generate a carbon credit and 
what that then means is those that are struggling to hit the benchmark can buy the credit from those who have managed to exceed okay. it. Okay, yeah. so that's mm -hmm. the, that's because you said three things. So first one is to reduce the carbon credit. Uh, second one is to reduce the cost of the household in terms of the energy spent. Reduce carbon spent. footprint, yeah. Yeah, reduce cost of output. Yeah. Third one was to for the people who live in the houses and they use use Suzy to uh, make some money. Was it was my is it my right conclusion or not? So the third one was to actually increase the value of the property. Okay. Through okay. making the upgrade, we see the carbon credit. It does generate income, but we sort of are wrapping that up in terms of reducing household energy bills because we kind of say, well, you offset it against your energy bill, basically. So if you get a carbon credit, you get the double benefit. So you get the benefit mm -hmm. of, well, actually, I've reduced my energy bills by a third because my house is more efficient, but also I've generated a carbon credit and maybe that's helped me reduce my energy bills down to half of what they were before. So what we are aiming to do ultimately is then, once we have sufficient data, connect this to funding schemes so that people could basically go, do you know what, I'm going to get these Suzy upgrades, which means I know I'm going to get these carbon credits. And there will be almost like pre-approved loans for them to make those upgrades. Will this be based on the individual? Of course, there's going to be elements where it's based on the individual. There's nuance, yeah. There's going to be nuance to it. But if we can get lenders that are in support of the program in general, because they recognize that actually, yes, those who are engaging with this are making upgrades that essentially pay for themselves. They pay for the interest on the loan and they, they pay off the loan gradually. It's kind of a no-brainer. And you get this narrative that if big industry is buying these carbon credits, you find a mechanism for big industry to pay for the upgrade of, of UK housing. And not just UK housing, but, but international housing. That's a huge thing to sell because every project I'm involved with, as soon as you introduce some form of sustainable technology... As soon as cost mentioned, it's just scrap from the project because people just don't want to pay it. They'd rather have their extension or whatever done. So if there's a way that you can uh, make it more accessible from a monetary perspective, I think you're cracking a nut in a good way there. It's got to be. You have to, and this is why we've approached it from this perspective. We said you can't just rely on the goodness of people's hearts. No, it has to be enforced. And something that I anticipate will happen Put it out there, see what happens. But um, <laughs> at the moment, our car tax is based on the amount of CO2 emissions. What happens when things like council tax or some sort of housing tax also is related to the CO2 emissions of your home? Mm -hmm. At yeah. some point, if they're going to hit net zero by 2050, are we not going to have to? It's one of the biggest problems we've got. Carbon emissions are... But housing is responsible for 20% of carbon emissions, just heating, cooling, and like energy in our homes. Obviously, partly we need to change the grid. And that's a big part of what we want to do as Susie as well, is we want to enable people. So we're going to build in a price comparison on green energy supplies. So we want people to go to green energy. And that's great. But they can still make the upgrades as well. And then they're putting less pressure on that need to change the grid because renewables are fantastic. And we, we must push towards going towards more and more renewables. But the more that we can also relieve the burden by reducing the energy need, because you've got to bear in mind as well, actually the energy needs only going up in terms of elect electricity because the electrification of everything is seen as the solution to carbon in terms of you know electric cars and 
all the rest of it. And that's something that we monitor with Susie, um, whether people have an electric car or not. But it means there's going to be more and more demand on the grid. So actually, by reducing that end user consumption, that also helps with that problem. Mm -hmm. So essentially, we're talking an app that's on your phone, which can geolocate your house, make recommendations on what improvements you should put into your house to make it more, let's say, green. And then people, it will connect you with local suppliers, subcontractors, who will provide you with a price and you can essentially click a button and someone will be around surveying your house and giving you... Is it a fixed price at the point that they give you the quote on the app or is it... No, um, it'll be an indicative price. But if we get a lot of negative feedback on the base of the contractor, so we will be working with trusted contractors. And we're going to have to work on this in terms of the information that is provided to them. We've got to facilitate and work closely with contractors in order to make sure that they get sufficient information off that initial inquiry to be able to provide a reasonably accurate quote. But also, you've got to recognize that they're going to want to do that in an efficient way. So we're expecting a ballpark from them. We'll give them an idea of you know the location, the size of the property, the type of, if it's PV to go on the roof, we'll be talking about what type of roof tiles they got. Is it pitch? Is it flat roof? And the age of the property. And obviously, they'll then get in there and there'll be some nuances around when was the last time they upgraded their electrics and all that sort of thing yeah, and, and how they connect into it. But they'll be able to give them a ballpark and should get the ball rolling for them. It should be pretty close. Have you done a survey so far or did you talk with uh, contractors or people who tested? Did you get any feedback from the industry somehow? We've had some conversations. We haven't been able to carry it through to test point. Yeah, there's enthusiasm for this because... Obviously, it's kind of a straightforward lead generation. One of the issues that we also have, just simply the resource and having sufficient contractor base to carry out retrofit, and we can't solve all the problems. So I think as people see an opportunity in the market, they will move more and more towards it. It's one of those things where perhaps at the moment the opportunity isn't seen as being mainstream enough because not enough people are doing it. Now, if we can act as a catalyst to the market, actually, and increase the demand, you know, there's businesses that can really grow off the back of that, back of focusing on that. So we see it as something that we've really got to work in partnership with existing contractors to make that work. I see it also as well. Like, I don't know if you'd like one of the first companies to do this, but I could imagine it getting, becoming quite a competitive market relatively quickly just because the demand for that stuff is increasing like, dramatically year on year. So have you uh, thought about that and how you may tackle that? What do you mean in terms of... Other people coming into the market competing with you? Competing in terms of connecting people with contractors and... Yeah, that model. The whole model, I guess. You will have a competitive advantage in some areas. You know, once it's out there, there's nothing to stop someone sort of copying that model. I think this is a case of being, you know, first mover advantage. And that's the key is and developing it in a way, you know, I think there's certain things that are unique to Susie. I've not seen this model in its entirety elsewhere. I think what's unique about us is we really do see ourselves as a partner of the homeowner. And it's about our whole ethos is about simplifying this process for them, because otherwise they won't do it. It's got to be about removing all of the barriers. Could someone else come into the market after us and copy that? And They've got to find an edge somehow to break in. So, yeah, we may well find competitors. You know, competition is always good. 
if there's people yeah. who find a model that, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, the goal is to have a successful business, but the real goal is to impact the carbon footprint of UK homes. So if someone mm-hmm. else comes along and helps do that, fantastic. There's enough UK homes out there. We've yeah, got 25 yeah. million of them, and then we've got the rest of the world as well. So You will survive. Ryan, so I like the idea because it's basically showing that you are trying to catch a trend which would be directed by the government. Because if the government say, okay, you can actually build whatever you want, no insulation, we don't care, there's no business, right? But the more stringent requirements from building cracks will be on the insulation or sustainability carbon footprint, then the more opportunities in your industry will be. What is the plan of the UK government in terms of kind of enforcing better regulation towards keeping sustainability within the UK at a reasonable level and being kind of like on the forefront, how you say it, yeah, in the world? Do they do anything towards it? How do you look into this? Because I think it's a crucial part to look into, like strategically. Do you mean specifically in terms of housing or more broadly? In general or broadly, if you see that there is by 2050 all the industries needs to be in the UK zero carbon neutral, right? So that's one of the indicators. And we're now 2022. uh, So there's still some time. But is there anything along the way that would be like a milestones or something that for people to just realize, okay, it's now 2028, we need to have this sorted? Yeah. Therefore, this part of industry needs to be prepared for this, this or that. Yes. Is there something like that that you're thinking about? Well, I've got to be honest, so the UK government have set out their, whatever it was, 10-point plan or in order to hit net zero by 2050, and the focus calls, can't remember the name of that recent report. I think that they are working it out as they go. I think it's about, say... Build back greener. Yeah, exactly. Build back greener. It's aspirational at the moment, and it's sort of saying, right, what framework, what incentives can we put in and around? I don't think they've landed on exactly where. So we actually want to be part of this narrative. What our investor is has got some connection, I think, into is quite a big property developer and has been talking about government policy is obviously gradually targeting developers with making more and more efficient homes. It sort of gradually cranks up the expectation. And that seems to be the way that they do it. It's like with this ETS scheme that sort of gradually they give people time, which is good figure it out but they're essentially it's carrot and stick there'll be some incentive you know you get this bonus for making these improvements and also there's penalty for not achieving it and trying to get people to move in that direction i don't see you know as far as core milestones go no one has said right well actually all uk homes need to be completely carbon neutral by 2035 I think we set the objective, didn't we, in terms of the automobile industry that we were going to be, it was 2030, no more combustion engine vehicles by 2030. Yeah, I think new build houses by 2030 have got to be net zero or carbon neutral. Like by 2030, slightly earlier. No, so I was going to say, I think it's a case of you put in goals, you put in objectives, and then you fund and incentivize and, and sort of support the achievement of those goals. And that seems to be the way that the mm-hmm. UK government is tackling it. I know you've been working on this for quite a while, Susie.house, and you're still like an ideation stage. You don't have anything tangible at the moment to provide to the market. So the question is, what's the plan for the next few months to get this rolled out into people's hands? We have a demo version and we also have a IoT monitoring device that we have tested. And we've managed to link that up to our demo. 
the demo isn't the full working MVP. So the next stage is to roll out over the next couple of months a sort of beta MVP where we will just be running it various tests across 10 properties. And then during the course of the next nine months, we want to then have a pilot of 100 homes and then a pilot of 300 homes. And that will be, I'd need to check our timeline, but it's essentially sort of four months time, I think four or five months in to do the first 100 homes. There's a lot of testing we want to do first because we want to give it the absolute best chance of success in terms of how people respond with it. So we'll do a lot of that testing and then obviously the sort of gradual testing with larger and larger test bases. So by nine months time, I think we want to have a user base of about 700 in total. So we're anticipating that we will also generate some organic growth. And, and of course, all of that will really still be test phase. The first 2000 IoT devices are going to be free to end users. One of the got a few go to market tactics, actually, I might not um, talk about them all here, just in yeah, case sure. other people are listening in. But a couple of things that I think could really get capture the interest of the general public. And that will be at a stage where we're really feeling like we're ready to roll the thing out and it not fall over. So you're looking like early 2023 to really go on a growth. Yeah, so we've got another year of real initial revenue generation stage, and then we want to really go for it 2023 onwards. I mean, now's the time because what's happening with energy costs and household energy bills, and, and there's going to be a high level of motivation to engage with this, I think. Yeah, sure. Well, it's going to go even, yeah. Brian, uh, so Susie is tackling existing buildings, right? Primarily, however, so one of the key things is this measurement function. And it doesn't mean that it can't be installed in new build because you'll still be able to monitor against a benchmark. So one of the things is if we can establish the carbon credit mechanism, people who buy a new build house, they might pay a little bit more for new build, but they would already qualify for a credit on the basis against the benchmark because it's all right, well, we've got a four person house that's producing 25% less CO2 than the average within the UK. And so they'd earn a credit for simply having purchased that. Also, not all, you know, very few new build properties are actually installing, you know, solar or wind or ground source heat or anything like that at the moment. So there's still the opportunity to make improvements. They may be very efficient, but they're not necessarily becoming revenue. The level they need to be. There's opportunity there, even for new build. I was just going to say, just looking at the time before we move away from Susie House, is there anything you wanted to say, add, that we haven't discussed so far? I don't think so. Hopefully it hasn't been too rambling. It's quite a broad concept. So I appreciate it's yes, hard very. to get across in a succinct way. So I apologize if I've gone off on one. You can tell I'm very enthused about it and yeah. it's hard to stop me talking about it once I get going. So, um, <laughs> no, it's, it's good. Right. Very informative and innovative as well. So You could talk about it for hours if you really wanted to. We're working a lot of it out as well as we go. So. Yeah, maybe in a year's time, it'll be a different conversation. That's right. Come back and we'll tell you about all the users and all the kinks and all the challenges that we've had along the way. Oh, you mentioned, actually, so you mentioned beta testing. Is there any people you're looking for or have you got the people lined up or is there people that could perhaps reach out um, to you? We've got people lined up, but, you know, if anyone was listening and went, I really want to be a part of this, by all means, reach out to us. You can find us at www.suzy.house. We'll follow us there. We'll keep you updated with our newsletter. You can follow our Twitter account, link in with us. If you had an unlimited budget, we ask this of everyone, by the way. So it's a very okay. interesting. You can tell a lot about a person by the way they answer this question, okay? So if someone gave you an unlimited budget to invest in any emerging business, technology, or trend, 
What would you spend it on and why? It sounds like, of course, I've got to say this, but I genuinely believe it. And it's going to be the green economy, green energy, green economy, green sustainable economy. Or that is going to be the driver of growth over the course of the next 20, 30, 40 years. How are we going to continue to exist on this planet in a sustainable way? I mean, there's so much going on around. It's fantastic. I love watching the innovations that are coming out, just the different drivers that are. I have invested in various companies and opportunities that are in the supply chain of green energy. Look, for me, that's where the future is. Okay. Uh, through your journey, what is that? Because I guess that's your like first tech kind of business that you are involved personally, yeah, working work on it. So through this journey, what is that you would have done differently? And what did you learn is like very important thing for someone who hasn't done it yet? It's a funny one, because I feel like it's been slow to get to this point. And so I would have said I would have gone faster. However, I think it's actually allowed us to solve, to really think through. And, and there's a certain amount of problems you never solve until you get into it. But it has allowed us to think through stuff and kind of solve them along the way. And I think the one thing, though, that I'm conscious of, and this is a real sort of, it comes out of tech folklore to some degree. So I remember reading uh, The Lean Startup a little while ago. And there's a story in there about essentially a team who got a load of funding and spent a year designing this app. And then once they'd got it all built, they took it to market and tested it with about, it was some sort of music game for kids, tested it with those kids. And immediately they could see all the problems with it. And they hadn't done any sort of user testing all the way through. Get out the building. That's what people say. Yeah, exactly. Get out the building, start, make it work. And I think, you know, while we've taken time and we've really worked on the concept, actually, that's the one thing that probably maybe we should have had up until now is more conversations with the potential end users. It's something that we're very conscious that we're going to start doing now in earnest and working out the kinks. And so I would say, you know, that would be the lesson that I would pass on to anyone would be make sure you understand your customer if you're designing any tech product and really test it with them along the way constantly from as early a point as possible to understand people's input and feedback. And we've done that through interview and discussion thus far with people to gauge their engagement with the concept and what they'd like it to do. But now it's time to really start to get them using it. The thing with customer discovery is a continuous ongoing process, which you'll be doing probably forever. So better late than never. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Let's wrap this up. I mean, where can people, you mentioned it earlier, CZ.house. Where can people find more about the business and yourself, Brian? Yes, they can find me just Brian Charter, B-R-Y-A-N Charter on LinkedIn and at BG Charter on Twitter, although I have to confess I'm not a huge tweeter. Tweeter. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to reach out to me there, by all means, happy to chat. Suzy.house is the website. Thanks, Brian. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, guys. This has been fun. Nice to chat. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Bricks and Bytes podcast. If you are enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you in the next episode.